Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Well, ladies, we have made it to the last book of the Bible, Revelation. By the way, it is singular, not plural. We have discussed how the New Testament is made up of different types of books. The first four are the Gospels, which mean good news. They are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and they tell us about the life of Christ, how he was from the beginning, how he was born a human, how he grew, how he ministered for about three and a half years, how he died and then arose, how he revealed himself to the disciples and many other people, and then how he ascended and is now at the right hand of the Father. The Gospels ended and the only history book of the New Testament Acts began with the ascension of Jesus in the clouds. And the angel said to the disciples, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. This is found in Acts chapter 1 verse 11. Then the book of Acts, which we discussed, is the Acts of Jesus Christ through his spirit, tells us how the church was formed and how the disciples spread the gospel in Jerusalem, then Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. The next section of the New Testament is called the Pauline Epistles. In Acts chapter 9, we learned how Saul had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus as he was persecuting Christians. He came to realize that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. Then Saul, which was his Hebrew name, became known as a missionary to the Gentiles, which is how he became known as Paul. Throughout his ministry, he wrote letters to many churches. Some of those churches he started, some he did not. Those letters are Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. Then Paul wrote some pastoral epistles or letters to pastors, which were men that he had mentored in his ministry, which is 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. The next section of the New Testament is called general epistles, which means they are letters written by someone other than Paul. They include Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and Jude. Now we come to the last book of the Bible, Revelation, and it is a book of prophecy, but it is unique because it is also apocalyptic. It is also a letter or an epistle and it has eschatology in it. What does that mean? First, it is prophetic. So it is futuristic. Chapter 1 verse 3 reads, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written in it for the time is near. The book declares that it is prophecy. Not just in this one verse, but also in chapter 11, verse 6, chapter 19, verse 10, chapter 22, verse 7, and then verse 10, and then verse 18, and then verse 19, a total of seven times. Revelation is also apocalyptic. That is the first word in the book. 
By the way, in Greek, it does not have the revelation, just revelation. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, Revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And he sent and communicated it by his angel to his bondservant, John. The word apocalypse means unveiled, revealed, uncovered. It also means that it uses symbols. As in verse 1, it says to show. It means signified by using symbols. It is the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. That's why it's singular. This book is showing us Christ in his glory as he is coming back. And this time it is not a baby in a manger. If you remember when we studied 1 Peter, he referenced the revelation of Jesus Christ in chapter 1, verse 7, chapter 1, verse 13. And then in chapter 4, verse 13, Peter called it the revelation of his glory. That is what this book is about for us to get a glimpse of the revelation of Jesus's glory. According to my New Testament notes, there are characteristics that make a book apocalyptic literature, which include visions and auditions, which means hearing a divine word, revelation of hidden things, the unveiling of hidden things, celestial beings with an interpreter, coded speech, a dualistic eschatology, both in this age and in the age to come. A reversal in the age to come, meaning that all people get what they deserve, so be faithful. A picture of heaven and hell, where most of the drama occurs in heaven. A defeat of Satan and evil, and an inclusion of the nations. This letter is also an epistle, a letter to seven churches. In chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, we get the opening. And then chapters 2 and 3 are addressed to the seven individual churches. And then the last verse, chapter 22, verse 21, is the closing, which says, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with the saints. Amen. This book is also about the last times or the end times. With that study, there are various views, such as preterist view, which means that the book only covers events that happened during their lifetime with only Christ's return being the last event. Then there's the historical view, which believes that it outlines the course of history from first century to modern times. The third view is the spiritual idealist view, which means it is allegorical and not literal, so it does not relate to anything in history. And then the fourth view is futuristic, which means it is only about the end of the age. They believe that from chapter 4 on, it describes only events related to the last days before Christ's return. Truth is, I don't fit into any one of these views. I may be a mixture of all. I haven't yet decided. I approach Revelation like I did the prophetic books of the Old Testament. I believe there was stuff that went on during the time of the writing that applied to the people then, but I think it also tells us of future events. There are various views of how the future events play out, and I do not have time to cover that right now.
Another thing that I am confident about is that this book is a book of hope for people who are enduring persecution. And it shows us that judgment is coming to those who do not believe. But to those who do believe in Jesus, we are blessed. This is the only book of scripture, I think, that has a blessing to the one who reads and to the one who hears these words and heeds the things which are written in them. That is one of the reasons that I believe this book is also for us today, because if it is just futuristic, how can we heed these words? In verses 1 through 3 of chapter 1, we learn that John, the bondservant of Jesus, is the author of the visions that he saw. In verse 11 of chapter 1, the Spirit tells John to write in a book what he saw, and then he was to send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and to Laodicea. These are all located in Asia Minor, which is the area of western Turkey. If you remember when we studied John's letters, John came to Ephesus after Jesus' mother Mary died in Jerusalem. He got there around AD 70 when Jerusalem and the temple were destroyed. He probably wrote the Gospel of John and his letters from Ephesus around the late 80s to early 90s. Then the traditional view is that approximately around AD 95, Domitian, who was the emperor of Rome, had John exiled to the island of Patmos because of his faith. It is thought that he was released and went to Ephesus where he died naturally. Revelation chapter 1 verse 9 reads, I, John, your brother and fellow partaker in the tribulation and kingdom and perseverance, which are in Jesus, was on the isle called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Why did John write it? The simple answer is because the glorified Lord Jesus Christ told him to. I hope that as we read this book, we will see Jesus Christ unveiled as the triumphant Lord that he is, and we will find hope as we are persecuted for our faith, and that we will heed the warnings to be obedient to the end. Now, one more thing I want to point out to you about the layout of this book that will explain how I will divide the book these next two weeks. This comes from the book, How to Read and Understand the Biblical Prophets by Peter J. Gentry. In his appendix on pages 126 and 127, he has a graph which shows Revelation 7 sequences of 7. The prologue is chapter 1, which covers the vision of Jesus Christ among the candlesticks. Chapters 2 and 3 are seven letters to the churches. Chapters 4 and 5 are the introduction. The Lamb is worthy to open the seals, which shows us the first scroll. Chapters 6 through 8 verse 1 covers the seven seals. Then is the seven trumpets with the prologue offering up the prayers of the faithful, which takes us through chapter 11. Next is the seven visions of warfare found in chapters 12 through 14, which is the second scroll. Following that are seven final plagues with the prologue of offering up the worship of the faithful in chapters 15 and 16. Chapters 17 through 19 have seven visions of victory, which are followed by seven visions of the end of the age. And the new creation, which takes us through chapter 22, verse 5, 
And then the epilogue found in chapter 22, verses 6 through 21, where Jesus said, I am coming soon. One thing we find in this book is that it is very well organized. And one thing I learned from my pastor, Brother Jerry Barron, every chapter, and it may be section of Revelation, has a reference to the Old Testament. And actually, ladies, I believe that Revelation has more Old Testament references than any other New Testament book. But right now I can't find where I learned that. Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 1 cover the introduction with the blessings. There are a few things to notice. The revelation came from God through an angel to John, who was an eyewitness of Jesus when he was on earth. We are blessed if we read, hear, and heed this book. Verse 4, we see the three parts to a letter, the sender, addressees, and greeting. One thing to note about the seven churches that the letter went to is that they are around a Roman road and go clockwise from where John was located on the island of Patmos in the Aegean Sea. John greets with grace and peace, a Christian, Gentile, and Hebrew greeting. This message is from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits which are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Here we see God the Father and God the Holy Spirit with the sevenfold spirit before the throne. Now in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2, the prophet described seven characteristics of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and strength. The Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Then John described Jesus as the faithful witness. He was martyred for the faith. He was the prophet. Jesus was also the firstborn from the dead. So there must be a second and third, etc. from the dead. Jesus was the priest that paved the way. And he was the ruler of the kings of the earth. Jesus is king of kings. Then John proclaims to him who loves us and released us from our sin by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom priest to his God and father. To him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Here we see that he continually loves us. Present tense. He has set us free. Loosed us from our sins, which is an action that has occurred in the past and yet is complete. And Jesus did that through his blood when he died on the cross. Believers in Jesus are made a kingdom and priest. Priests have direct access to God and are mediators for people to God. Then, ladies, John is clear. We do not get the glory. Only Jesus gets the glory and dominion forever. Amen. Which means so be it. Some people claim verse 7 is the theme verse of Revelation. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. So it is to be. Amen. Jesus is coming with the clouds, which is a symbol of God's glory and judgment. The reference to include those who pierced Jesus on the cross and all the families will mourn refers back to the prophecy fulfilled in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. 
I will pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced and they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son and they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. Then verse 8 reads, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, did you catch that? In verse 4, John is speaking of God the Father as the one who is and who was and who is to come. But now we have Jesus who says it too. John is declaring in this letter, as he did in his gospel, that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. That is the first and the last letter of the Greek alphabet. Jesus was in the beginning, and he is also at the end of all things. He is the Almighty. Nothing that comes our way is stronger than he is. We then have verses 9 through 20, which describes a vision of Christ. There are similar visions found in the Old Testament in Zechariah chapter 4, verse 2, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, then chapter 8, verses 17 and 18, then chapter 10, verse 5, verse 6, verse 9, and verse 10. Then Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 7, verse 24, chapter 43, verse 2, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4, then chapter 44, verse 6, and then chapter 48, verse 12. Now, ladies, there may be many things we do not understand in these visions, but there are a lot of things that we can understand, and that is what we want to focus on. In verse 9, John said, He is a brother and co-partner in tribulation and the kingdom and the perseverance in Jesus. The readers are not alone in their tough times. John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, which was Sunday. The voice came from behind him like the sound of a trumpet. One thing we will see as we read this book is the word like. Again, it is symbolism. And it tells us that by using such words. It's not a trumpet, but it was like a trumpet. He was to write, possibly in order to remember, and the letter was to go to the seven churches. This book was written to God's people, not to the world. John turned toward the voice and he saw seven gold lampstands. Now in verse 20, the Lord explained what the lampstands represent, the seven churches. Then where is the Son of Man standing? Verse 13, Jesus is standing among the lampstands. He is with them. How is he described? Like a son of man. That's what Daniel called his visions in chapter 7 verses 8 through 14 of Daniel. He was wearing a long robe to his feet with a gold sash around his chest, not his waist. This is possibly priestly or kingly garments. His head and hair were white as wool, white as snow, which might show wisdom, purity, or be a reference to the ancient of days. And his eyes were like fiery flames, which may mean that he judges all evil. His feet are like bronze fired in a furnace and voice like many waters. He is powerful. 
In his right hand are seven stars. Now in verse 20, it is explained that the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Now the word for angel means messenger. So there are various thoughts. Each church may have a specific angel, which might, and I mean just might, make sense of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10, when Paul wrote that women should cover their heads to show their honor because of the angels. We also know that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, that the children's angels continually see the face of God. It could also mean that since they are messengers, that it may be the pastor of the churches. Then out of the one who looks like the son of man, out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword and his face was like the sun shining in its strength. Verse 16, the sword could be a reference to the word of God or that his message is full of power and force. This son of man is radiant. John's response in verse 17 When I saw him, I fell at his feet like dead. Then Jesus placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Jesus touched John and placed his right hand on him. I wonder how many times while on this earth Jesus did that for John. Then Jesus said, don't be afraid. Why are we not to be afraid, ladies? Because Jesus is from the beginning and is alive to the ages of the ages. Plus, he holds the keys, which may be a sign of authority. It is definitely a sign of opening and locking doors. These keys open and lock death and Hades, the place of the dead. Then verse 19, therefore, because Jesus is alive and he holds the keys of death and Hades, therefore, write the things which you have seen, past tense, and the things that are, present tense, and the things which will take place after these things, future tense. Since the book declares a past, present, and future elements, I believe there are references to things that had happened in the past, such as Jesus' death and the prophecies with which he fulfilled, and the things that are, such as the persecution that John and the believers were suffering, for Domitian was an evil emperor upon Christians. And then, since Jesus has not come yet, then there are futuristic prophecies that have not yet been fulfilled. Ladies, one thing that is absolutely clear is that this Jesus is no longer the baby in the manger. He is no longer the suffering servant of Isaiah. He is in his glory and power. He is victorious. And as believers in Jesus, we have hope of his coming in that power and glory. We do not have to be afraid. So ladies, if you have heard his voice today, Please don't harden your heart. Instead, let us be like John and turn so that we can see the one that is speaking to us. Let us turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us fall to our knees in awe at the feet of the one who is the Alpha and the Omega the beginning and the end.
Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.